Newton Media Group, a family of creative services, presents the Voice Over Work podcast. This is Tuesday, August 31st, 2021. Applying the 80-20 principle to your time does not mean that you simply need to use your time better, take less breaks, or spend more time planning the rest of it. All of that falls under time management. Instead, the application of this rule entails a complete time revolution, which is a fundamental shift in the way you think about time itself. Time management comes with the constant pressure of using your time effectively, but this doesn't improve the way you use your time. It only brings frustration, long working hours, and an addiction to finding better and better ways to manage time. The Pareto Principle does away with these marginal improvements in the usage of our time. It refuses to accept that we can come up with a routine wherein 100% of our time can be used productively. Far from frantically doing the most in the least amount of time, this rule assumes that we have more than enough time to achieve all our important goals. This is because the principle operates with the assumption that time is cyclical and not linear. It doesn't just come and go, forever lost to history. It comes repeatedly, bringing with it new opportunities to learn and improve. To begin your time revolution, you'll need to change the way you approach your time. And there are a few things you can do to achieve this. Perhaps the most important step here is to dissociate the mental connection between effort and reward. It's also time to let go of the guilt that comes with time spent unproductively. The 20% of people who own 80% of wealth are also 20% of the workers or businessmen who enjoy their work 80% of the time. A third way you can change your approach toward time is by taking ownership of it. If 20% of your time gives you 80% of your results, the remaining 80% of your time is likely being spent on tasks that were undertaken for others. Obviously, it isn't possible to rid yourself of obligations and completely avoid doing things for others, especially as an employee. However, the takeaway here is that you should spend your time in ways that you and you alone deem appropriate. Rather than merely finding creative ways to squeeze in as many non-essential activities as possible, ask yourself how you can shape your work so that you have more power to eliminate or delegate those non-essential tasks entirely. Once you've given yourself some time to think these steps over and incorporate them into your mindset about time, you'll be ready for the next phase of your time revolution. This phase has everything to do with the 20% of your time that gives you 80% of your results. Start by identifying which 20% of your time is being spent most productively. Give yourself a few days to a week for observing this and make sure to note down the times when you're most and least productive. There are many tasks that are generally of high value and which are likelier than others to produce many times the output of the time you spend doing them. While assessing the ways you spend your time, you might well find a large degree of overlap between these general high-value tasks and the ones where you're at your most efficient. These include tasks that further your assumed purpose in life, things you've always wanted to do, things that you already know will give you more results than the effort you put into them, 
and tasks where you're given free reign to apply your creativity. On the other hand, tasks that are a huge time sink are those which you aren't very good at or don't enjoy doing. They could be the ones where your collaborators are inefficient or tasks that can only be done a certain way and have no space for creativity. This is not to say that you should never bother with tasks that you aren't already an expert in or that you shouldn't spend some effort trying to improve a situation before abandoning it because it's not 100% as you'd like it. Rather, it's about realizing that you're in charge. Sometimes the best way to optimize something is to not do it at all. As the common 80-20 wisdom goes, you'll need to double the time you spend on your high-value tasks while reducing time spent on the low-value ones. While this won't give you 160% of output, it will still increase your overall productivity exponentially. Try and delegate most of your low-value work and work during times of the day you're most productive at. So if you're someone who likes sleeping in, waking up early to increase your productivity will likely not work. One thing to keep in mind here is that even with an awareness of the Pareto Principle, it can be difficult to escape the tyranny of the 80-20 distribution, wherein 80% of your time is spent on low-value tasks. The best way to ensure a good chance of breaking through this barrier is to spend your time in the most unconventional and eccentric manner you can. Don't waste your time doing the decent things that are expected of you and weigh you down. Instead, think of all the ways you could do things differently than you do now without making such a shift disorienting and impossibly difficult. Here's an example of how this works. Let's say you're a consultant who has managed to earn millions of dollars from your job and you've now started your own venture. You'd be forgiven for thinking that your every waking moment will now in some way be spent on tasks related to this enterprise, yet you could quite as easily let your other employees work 70 to 80 hours a week and take a more laid back approach. Obviously, this would make you a terrible boss and human being. But it does drive home the point that a lot of our assumptions about work, business, and success are just that, assumptions. Truly thinking out of the box means questioning the old scripts. For example, that a successful person is necessarily one who works themselves to death, or that if you achieve one level of efficiency and success, you're compelled to immediately seek out the next level forever. The key to this approach is not to constantly be doing something all the time, but learning to delegate work between your top employees who will likely themselves delegate it further. Remember, the 80-20 principle is one that requires a nonlinear mindset. You're not necessarily being lazy by turning certain tasks down and refusing to constantly plow forward any more than you're being effective by taking them on. Attend only the most important meetings. Set objectives that need to be met. Provide ways for those objectives to be achieved and let the others do the work. You may discover plenty of people who are still laboring under the misconception that endless busy work will lead to success. Try not to get sucked into the pointless bureaucracy that comes with this approach. The most important thing you need to do is decide which tasks to delegate in the first place. If you've been reading this book attentively so far, you'll have an easy time selecting the most important ones using assessments of your business through the 80-20 principle. But 
how you spend the rest of your time is up to you. You can play golf, read novels, travel the world, and do what your heart desires. The main barrier to overcome here is not the sheer amount of work itself, but the need to be constantly doing work to feel accomplished. This last tip is in line with the previous one, and it is to remember to not be afraid of taking time off. If you feel burned out, overwhelmed, or excessively stressed, realize that 80% of your time is spent on expendable tasks anyway. Skipping some of them will do you absolutely no harm. 80-20 Personal Finance Personal finance is one of the biggest worries in any adult's life, be it keeping your expenditures under control, tracking and managing your investments, maintaining a budget, ensuring you save enough, or something else. A lot of money is at stake. This makes any decision related to finance an anxiety-driven one. However, if you can learn to utilize the 80-20 rule while making key decisions, a lot of this anxiety can be alleviated. You'll be surer of your outcomes, more confident in your management of your finances, and most likely much richer as a result. There are three main areas of personal finance where the 80-20 rule can provide you with rich dividends, quite literally. These are your investments, expenditures, and savings. We'll explore these in the same order. It's no secret that investments and not high employment income is the key to becoming wealthy. The earlier you start investing, the longer your few good investments can provide you with good returns. As with the other areas of your life, 20% of your investments are going to generate 80% of your profits. What you need to do is find the most productive 20% investments you can possibly make and determine how to go about doing this. The very first thing you want to do when it comes to investments is to take charge of them and make them yourself. When you take the help of advisors and money managers, you minimize the chances of reaping the superior rewards that come with discovering and investing in the few high-performing assets that generate most of your profits. Instead, such managers tend to take a much safer approach while absorbing a lot of your profits in the process. They minimize risk by investing in a broad spectrum of media, such as stocks, bonds, real estate, etc. However, the first tenet of enjoying superior returns through the Pareto Principle is building an unbalanced portfolio. Unbalanced portfolios lead to the second step of our process, which is to restrict your investments to only one medium, the stock market. This is primarily because investing in the stock market requires the least expertise. Most of the other options will require you to spend substantial amounts of time studying them and then making informed decisions. However, you can invest exclusively in blue chip stocks that are safe, well-established, and have a reliable history of performance and still reap extreme rewards. The key to getting the most out of these blue chip stocks is to invest in them for the long term. There's no need to move your stocks in and out of your portfolio unnecessarily unless they're guaranteed to lose you money. Invest in stocks with at least the next decade or two in mind. Investing for the short term takes you into territory where you're making unreliable gambles. This could well lead to the opposite outcome than you're looking for, 
and so it makes sense for you to refrain from risks you don't need to take. Another tip for investing that heavily relies on the Pareto Principle is value investing. Value investing is the practice wherein you purchase stocks when the market as a whole or particular stocks are valued much lower than they're worth. So if the market is low and most people are hesitant to invest, that's when you should be investing the big bucks into the market. Conversely, when everyone is keen on investing, that's when you should be wary and hold back your funds. Strategies like these are why 80-20 thinking is unconventional. It advises you to go against the tide. Because of the cyclical nature of the stock market, value investing, when done right, will inevitably lead to big rewards. All the tips we've suggested so far converge into our next suggestion. Invest in stocks that are connected to fields you are a relative expert in. These could be shares relating to the industry you work in, where your hobbies lie, or any particular interest of yours. So if you like cars, you might want to invest in automobile companies that are trading publicly. Even if you don't feel like an expert in any particular area, it pays to stick to one area and familiarize yourself with that industry rather than diversifying your options. A list of techniques revolving around using the 80-20 principle effectively would be remiss if it didn't recommend the elimination of underperforming assets, and this applies to investments as well. If the value of any share falls by more than 15% of the price you paid for it, sell that stock immediately. If you wish to buy it later, wait a week to ensure that the price has stopped falling. Many fortunes have been lost to a mistaken sense of loyalty toward particular underperforming stocks. Make sure you avoid that error. After investing, the most important area where you need to apply the Pareto Principle is in relation to your spending habits, savings, and budgeting. Regarding these, there are two 80-20 rules which will come in very handy for you. First, 80% of your wealth will come from 20% of your efforts with money. Remember, low effort and high value. So, in fact, only a limited amount of actions will generate your wealth. Second, living within or below your means on 80% of your total income and saving the remaining 20% will be the key to building your wealth substantially. We'll start with the second rule first. The idea here is to take everything you spend your money on in a typical month, food, rent, charity, insurance, petrol, personal expenses, etc., and restrict the overall expenditure to 80% of what your household makes every month. The remaining 20% of your income should be dedicated toward either savings or generating passive income. This can mean you invest a little every month into your retirement fund, put it into the stock market, pay off debts, etc. Of these, if you have debts, it's absolutely essential for you to meet the minimum payment for every single debt you owe. It's advisable to go about 10 to 20% above your minimum payment because the longer you owe money, the more you lose. If you follow this pattern for a year, you'll end up making one whole extra payment for that year. This can reduce debts, like mortgages, by several years. Paying a 25-year mortgage using this rule will resolve your debt three years earlier than expected. 
While it's important to know what you should be doing to increase your wealth, there are a few very common things people do to cut spending, which you shouldn't be doing. The first of these is cutting discretionary spending. This could apply in a variety of ways for you. Maybe you reduce how much you eat out, or skip that movie you've been wanting to watch at the theaters. You might also cut down on some of your media subscriptions. While all of these tactics will save you money, they're unlikely to make any significant difference to your overall financial situation. However, what they will do is prevent you from enjoying the things you like doing. Although it's possible for you to find cheaper ways to do the same things, it's likely that this strategy will only leave you frustrated. A second option that many opt for is working overtime. Again, many people do this because it does help in some ways. If you can find the overtime hours to work consistently, it might help you improving your financial situation somewhat. However, overtime isn't a good long-term strategy toward growing your wealth or managing your finances. It also goes against all the principles of sound 80-20 thinking. If you're in need of urgent money due to some debts, this might be a feasible option in the short term, but as a general rule, working extra is another strategy that requires too much effort and provides too little return to be worth it for any extended period of time. As you may have noticed, underlying everything we've discussed so far is the 80-20 way of thinking. Be unconventional in your approach toward finances, particularly when it comes to investing. Be reasonably hedonistic in terms of spending, and don't cut out expenses for things you enjoy and look forward to. Don't be linear and do the things everyone else is doing, like developing diversified portfolios or working overtime. Lastly, manage your budget and spending habits in ways that are reflective and suited to you. 80-20 Health and Fitness When it comes to eating healthy, social media is always abuzz with the latest fads that supposedly guarantee results. From intermittent fasting to paleo, keto, going vegan, Atkins, etc., there are a ton of options out there, and none of them keep the 80-20 principle in mind. They demand wholesale changes in your diet and lifestyle, which you might manage in the short term for positive results. But are you willing to be vegan for the rest of your life? It might be a struggle for some. Healthy eating programs are plagued with an emphasis on short-term results and expending excessive resources in that pursuit while completely ignoring the long term. The very phrase, being on a diet, means that at some point you're going to be off it, which discourages actual meaningful change in your habits. This is where the 80-20 rule becomes so important. It gives you a framework to follow that can actually be sustained for the rest of your life through minimal effort. Remember, we're trying to do less here. The golden rule you'll want to remember here is that 80% of the calories you consume in a day should come from healthy sources, while the remaining 20% can be expended on foods you enjoy. The key here is to fit the 80% with foods you enjoy as well to minimize the amount of change you need to make to your existing eating habits. As always, it's important to remember that the numbers don't need to be 80 and 20. In this case, it's much more likely that the ratio will be even more lopsided and inexact. However, 
This depends primarily on whether your goal is to lose weight or maintain the level you have right now. With the former, you'll want to minimize indulgence, but with the latter, you can leave 20% for foods you like eating. Let's assume you consume an average of around 2,000 to 2,200 calories a day. This leaves you with about 400 to 500 calories to indulge yourself with. However, that number is lower than it seems. You'll likely exhaust it with a bottle of Coke, an energy bar, or a few peanut butter sandwiches. As such, it helps to be a little calorie conscious when it comes to what you're eating. Once you familiarize yourself with the basic calorie values of foods you generally eat, this becomes an almost intuitive process that doesn't require any calculation or effort. While calorie counting isn't essential, and you can still get by without it, it's definitely advisable. One common way that people use the 80-20 diet is on a weekly basis and not daily. This means that throughout the first five days of the week, you stick to the 80% healthy foods you're eating and only allow indulgences on the weekends. That amounts to approximately four meals in a week where you can eat without worrying too much about calories. However, even here, some moderation is key. Don't let yourself slack off too much while indulging your cravings and try to still get in some nutrients. Otherwise, you'll feel terrible and risk losing the health gains you've achieved. Furthermore, pay attention to your portions, regardless of whether you're eating healthy or indulging. Overeating is a huge cause of weight gain and one you'll want to avoid, especially if you're white-knuckling through the week. It's imperative that you fill your 80% with foods you like. Otherwise, you're going to torture yourself for five days a week and end up gaining weights on the weekends. Try including as many fruits, lean proteins, and whole grains as possible. Also, try to cut down on alcohol. These are simply empty calories that will quickly drive your weight up. If you find yourself struggling to lose weight with an 80-20 plan, you might want to consider switching to a 90-10 routine. This will reduce your indulgent meals from four a week to just two. This might not be necessary if you're simply looking to maintain your current weight, but more healthy eating is always beneficial if you can manage it. Lastly, if you can, add some exercise to the mix. This will aid your weight loss efforts significantly, not just because of the burned calories, but due to improved metabolism from increased muscle mass. The 80-20 rule applies here as well, as 20% of exercises lead to 80% of your results. As such, you won't need to spend too much time exercising if you're doing it well, but it's another habit that will go a long way in getting the results you desire. 80-20 Organization Most of the time, we find ourselves in a situation where we have a multiplicity of tasks we need to complete. However, because we only have so much time, we only end up doing a few of those. The tasks we don't finish get put off for the future, and they stay at the back of our minds as we scramble to find the time to do it all. Yet, most of these tasks that we've been putting off or meaning to do but just haven't managed to are part of the unnecessary clutter that's polluting our lives. Most of them are not nearly as important as we might have initially thought, and we can likely do away with them without any adverse consequences. 
Through the 80-20 principle, you can identify the tasks that matter and are actually important to you while separating the 80% of the meaningless clutter that's a constant presence in our lives but isn't productive or meaningful in any way. Decluttering your life is where the relative aspect of 80-20 thinking shines through. Spend some time thinking about what it is you really want to do and the activities or tasks that you consider important. Are you really going to read all those books on your desk? Do you truly need to complete every single task on your list? Or can you delegate some and get away with not doing some of the others? What are the biggest things you're spending a large portion of your time on that aren't aligned with your goals in life? Be totally honest with yourself, especially since such reflection can often involve tough decisions. If a lot of your clutter has to do with work, Ask yourself whether you'd really be at your current job under more ideal circumstances. If you're a student studying for a major you aren't particularly passionate about, think about whether you want these tasks and others similar to them to stay with you for the foreseeable future. Alternatively, there are also probably things you like doing which use up too much of your time. As we've stressed, there's no need to completely eliminate things you enjoy, but ask yourself if you could spend a little less time watching television. Maybe you could use some of the time you spend scrolling on your phone more productively. If an activity is central to your leisure time, you can probably get away with keeping it intact. However, there are definitely others that can be eliminated or reduced. This is one of the big advantages of decluttering your life through the Pareto Principle. It forces you to make decisions you otherwise would not have considered. This applies to both things you like and those you dislike doing. So, how do you actually go about decluttering your life? One effective way is to take a more methodical approach and create an 80-20 audit sheet. List all the activities you do regularly or need to do and segregate them based on whether they are consistent with your major goals in life or not. Of course, some tasks won't be extremely important, but you'll have to do them anyway. Keep those, but be ruthless in your selection. Based on what your audit sheet looks like, you can then start compiling a daily planner that has more tasks related to the 20% most important activities rather than those that simply clutter up your life. It's likely that at least some of the clutter you want to eliminate or reduce from your life involves things you habitually do. For example, it's possible you're accustomed to playing video games for a certain number of hours every day. Maybe you like consuming alcohol to relax, which renders you indisposed for the rest of the night. Eliminating clutter like this can be hard because of the role it plays in your routine and the urge that overcomes you when you miss it for a few days. To beat that urge, the 30-day challenge is a great technique to use. Essentially, what you need to do is write down the habit or task you want to eliminate and note down the date you've started the challenge. Make a column for date of completion and fill it 30 days after you undertook the challenge and reflect on your progress. Did you manage to cut the habit Though this technique might sound overly simplistic, the reason it works is because 30 days is usually enough to break a routine. 
If you stick to your goals and manage to not do that activity for 30 days, it's highly likely that you won't feel the urge to do it after the month has passed. Of course, clutter is not just our behaviors or habits, but the physical and material untidiness around us. The 80-20 principle can help here, too. Your external surroundings tend to mirror your inner environment. Have a look at the places in your home or office where you spend the most time, and then consider all the objects you interact with most. Look at objects and ask whether they add anything to your life or are merely taking up space. Even worse, could some clutter be actively getting in the way of what's important? Imagine that you spend 80% of your time using or enjoying just 20% of all your worldly possessions, or that just 20% of your things are supplying 80% of your happiness or convenience. Can you identify that 20% and let go of some of the things that contribute nothing? The last important item to remember is to replace this clutter in your life with not just things that make you happy, but that also help you further your most important goals. This has been 80-20 Your Life. Get more done with less effort, time, and action. Written by Nick Trenton. Narrated by Russell Newton. Copyright 2020 by Nick Trenton. Production copyright by Nick Trenton. Amazon.com has more information regarding the author and this book. Show notes and further information can be found at RussellEricNewton.com. With a collection of trivia, research, news stories, and knowledge from some of the newest audiobooks on the market, this has been the Voice Over Work Podcast, brought to you by Newton Media Group, a family of creative services.